to Ghoulish Tendencies. I'm Gabby. And I'm Kim. And we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases of Moira ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunking. AKA Apparently too much debunking. Scullying. <laughs> uh, yeah, so fun fact, guys. Um, if we did not scully, it would not be ghoulish tendencies. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, but also, I will molder from time to time is who we are, you know? No, well, you, you are firmly moldering. I... I mean, I feel like asking me not to scully is like asking me not to breathe. Which we want um, Kim to breathe. She got she got to live. We do. Well, I well, and it's you know, it's funny. It's the fundamental like issue of being skeptical about something. I think because honestly, I'm not speaking for all skeptics out there, but I, I know I'm speaking for some of us. Um, I am skeptical because I believe so hard. You believe so, so hard, hard believer. No, I want. I want. I want, to believe, I want to believe and I want things to be true. Yes. And I'm not going to settle for anything less than the truth. The truth is out there. The truth is out there. <laughs> but no, you but you know what I'm I got saying, you, right? I got like, you, boo. It's it's not like I mean, yes, I can be a dick. Uh, <laughs> we all have our moments. It's fine. We all have our moments. Mine my, my might be more than But others. I think also sometimes we have topics that are more scully-y oh, and yeah. some are more moldery, right? Like, so it just depends yeah. on, on what day you catch us, really, what truly. What day you catch us. Well, I, I mean, specifically looking at our Exorcist episode, like, uh, I, I will say in general, I have a low opinion of curses. I think curses are generally things that, that people create, I love a curse. More so, you love a good curse. I you love do. A curse. No, and and that's one of those great like yeah. scully moments because like the scully in me says I think curses. I I I, I don't know that I've ever found a curse that I believe in because I think they're cur- I think it's something we create. I think people mentally create them around a set of circumstances. But like. Man, you love a good curse. I love a curse, but I also, it's the same vein as our, actually our topic today of like, you know, there are certain things that just have a vibe about them that you're like, this Mm -hmm. is spooky. I don't know why. I do think I know why, but I don't know if I could prove why, but it makes me feel some kind of way. And I think that that's like a lot of paranormal things that we talk about and a lot of like the unknown, right? So... Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, yes, uh, I believe, again, I don't know what day it is, what month it is, what episode <laughs> this is. Um, however, Gabby, Gabby, it's the high holy days. It is spooky season. I do know that. It's not just spooky season. We're recording this, friends. You're going to get this on Tuesday, so it's a little different. But we're recording this on the kickoff of high holy days. October the 1st. It is October the first. Do you know how many congratulatory texts I got when I woke up this morning? Yeah, and my favorite <laughs> meme that I've seen today was from Terrence, and it was of Kermit the Frog on September 30th versus Kermit the Frog on October 1st. And October 1st, he's a vampire with fangs. It's great. We we need to post that to our yes, Instagram. Yes, I, I, I will absolutely do that. Um, <laughs> but just like it is spooky season, I know one mm-hmm. time recently we talked about a Ouija board topic. Didn't we talk about a Ouija board topic? <gasps> oh, Gabby, this is this is like pillow talk for me. Uh, <laughs> Ouija talk. I love uh, full disclosure to our, our listeners at home. Like I have a Ouija bag 
Who needs a board? Like my purse. When you can have a bag. <laughs> exactly. It's at any given time I can pull up my Ouija bag. Um, I love my Ouija bag. It's 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 I don't know. It's maybe on its like third incarnation because I have to keep I keep destroying them and having to order new ones. But like I love the lore around a Ouija board. Yes. Have you ever tried like communicating with your bag with <gasps> previous Ouija bags? Uh, <laughs> I, I I have not. I I have. We did try once. As a gag on a tour, gag or somebody bag? wanted to try gag bag. No, we were. It was when we were in the underground, and I I had my Ouija bag, and it was a tour. And somebody said, "Can we try to contact something on your bag?" Uh, and we did. We were not successful. Not successful. Um, not successful. But I have I have used like man. I I was a proper like angsty theater kid. We Ouija boarded in a lot of theaters when I was a teenager. Ooh. I, and I mean, I think this is a great way to to open this this episode is kind of talking about a personal experience moment is that, um, so fun fact, I sound different because I'm at my parents' house in Los Angeles right now as we're recording, so the sound might not be as great, so I apologize, Gabby, listeners. why are you at your parents' house? I'm at my parents' house because I had my bridal shower last week. You did? I did. Because Gabby's getting married. Oh, God, I'm getting married in less than a month, and I'm about to have a heart attack yeah. over it. It's fine. We're fine. It's good. We're fine. Everything's on fire. It's fine. Uh, but <laughs> moral of the story is, is I'm in the same childhood home that once housed a Ouija board. And when I was 12, I, me and my middle school friends had a sleepover party. And uh, this one decides to buy a Ouija board and say, hey, let's play with a Ouija board. And my stepdad is a very spiritual person, not a super religious person, but a very spiritual person. Spiritual, yeah, no, I, I he's get, into I a get lot that of distinction. stuff in that sense, mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm. lots of energies, and always has worn opals and like all kinds of like crystals and stuff. He's he's kind of got that vibe. And when I was young and I got this Ouija board, I did not tell him I got the Ouija board, like much like most things in my life that I did not by my parents' discretion, um, (laughs) brought it to my friend's house. We had a sleepover party. We freaked each other out with the Ouija board as 12-year-olds do. Um, Fully don't remember anything coming of it. We just freaked each other out. Like, you know how you just are at a sleepover party and one person does something that freaks the other person out, but like nothing actually happened? That's basically what that entire thing was. (laughs) And then, of course, I leave in the morning, bring the Ouija board home, and Steve, my stepdad, sees it, freaks out at me, fully (gasps) takes the Ouija board and, quote, takes it for a ride. So that terminology... What is that? Wait, what does that mean? What does that that mean exactly? That means you took it to a dumpster very far away from the house because you don't want it anywhere near the vicinity of our home. Can I... Okay. Can I fun anecdote that? Maybe. So, so I do ghost tours. Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert for any new listeners. I, I, I do ghost tours. Uh, it was early ish when I started doing the tours. And after one of my tours, this, this girl comes up to me and you know, we, we always ask, do you have any questions? I'll be available. Come and ask me questions. And this girl comes up to me and she says, can I ask you something? Oh no. And I was like, yeah, of course, of course. And she's like, okay. So. I had a party recently, and I was like, congratulations, that sounds awesome. Uh, This is (laughs) pre-COVID. I had this party recently, and somebody brought over a Ouija board. And she was very, like, 1800 swooning heroin about it. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And? And and she was looking at me very expectantly. She's like, well, I, I don't want it. Like they left it at her house? 
Yeah, so they, they brought it over the party and then they left it there. And I mean, it's it was like, a you know, a Hasbro uh, dime a dozen, uh, your very traditional Ouija board. And I said, all right, well, throw it away. <laughs> She's like, you can't throw them away. And I said, you can't. <laughs> I have apparently been doing this wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 okay, what? Uh, why can't you throw them away? They might come back. Does and it going to grow legs? Does it walk? So, I mean, ultimately, this poor girl is terrified because there is a Ouija board in her basement. She doesn't think she can throw it away because apparently they'll come back. Uh, or they're bad. I don't know. I, it was a lot of stuff where I was like, I don't think there's any facts or evidence, evidence. evidence. to back this up. But, okay. So I told her she could bring it spooked. Okay. Because we have... It, a lot of Ouija quite a collection quite the collection of of old and new um and i uh, to my knowledge she never did but i have never i've never seen anyone so terrified yeah of in my opinion a parlor game <laughs> glad to know right up top we know what kim thinks well, I and, and I mean you're going to get into the yeah. history, obviously, but we'll we it. we talked about a little bit about this before we were recording. Like I, I talk about Ouija boards on the tour sometimes. I, I know a fair bit about the history of the Ouija board. Um, it was a it was when it became mass produced. It was intended to always be for entertainment. Yeah, and that's something that it's debatable these days. Sure. And it's interesting sure. because I'm glad that we started it with this type of topic because there's so many ways to interpret a Ouija board. A lot of, depends on who you mm -hmm. talk to, truly. Like, I remember I was reading the story because I read a bunch of different stories, but I was like, I got to pick and choose what I'm going to talk about because if I don't, we're going to be lot. here all day. Um, yeah, there's quite there's a, a bit on, on the Ouija board. So I'm going to give a fair warning that I'm not including everything in this episode. Hey. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's no way to. No. I mean, again, you could you could do. I suspect you could do a whole podcast on oh, just for Ouija boards, the history of, and all of the stories. Oh, yeah, history I'm not going to do and spirit it, boards. Due diligence, just in one episode. But yeah. I'll do my I'll do my best. But there was do one that was talking about how I guess, uh, and we'll talk about the people who created it and the families associated with it and all that. But one of the members of the family is, I guess was near a church or something and a bunch of nuns walked by her and knew that she was associated with the family that created the Ouija board. And they would just like make their fingers into a cross in front of her when they would walk <laughs> past her. And like, I, it's just now, the belief system, right? It's like the superstition that people have. Like we don't, it, it's kind of hard to prove something wrong. People are very religious about something or superstitious, right? Can I ask a clarifying question? Yeah. When you say the people that created it, do you mean, because Ouija boards, spirit boards, I should say, not Ouija, but spirit boards have been around for... We're talking Ouija board. So you mean like Parker Brothers? Well, it's funny you say that. Let's rewind. Okay. Let's go back, shall okay. we? Let's, let's, let's start, let's we start from the beginning. To begin at the, the beginning. beginning. The Ouija board. The Ouija board. Is it a tool of the devil? A communication device for the dead or a fun family game? We know what Kim thinks, but... The, the devil has better things to do. <laughs> for the few people who might not know what a Ouija board is, why are you listening to this podcast? Just kidding. Wow. Um, the idea 
of a, of a Ouija board, let's just get it out there, is to summon uh-huh. the spirits you would like to communicate with, and then they move the planchette across the board and spell out answers to the questions sure. that you ask until they or you say goodbye and go on to the little goodbye. Hopefully you say goodbye. Um, and the spirits go back to wherever they came from, allegedly. And it all sounds pretty harmless, no big deal, but there's a long tradition sure. of people believing that Ouija boards are dangerous occult gateways that can lead to demon possession or worse. After all, what happens if it's a non-friendly spirit that's moving the planchette without your control? What is this portal? Is it a portal that you opened up that you're communicating with this spirit? Spooky. So that is what my stepdad thinks of it, which is why he took it for a ride when I was 12. Um, And funny story, while I was home, before I get into the full history of it, I just have to comment that I did ask him about it while I was here because I'm like, I'm doing this topic. I might as well ask. I was at a young age when I was very influenced. And to this day, I still am like hesitant to touch a Ouija board, even though I know a lot of science behind it, which we're going to talk about. Uh And he even told me that he just doesn't want to mess with something he doesn't know about. And doesn't want to unintentionally welcome something in that he doesn't want to welcome in. So, interesting. Anyway, I'll leave that there. So, in February 1891, the first few advertisements started to appear in papers saying, Ouija, the wonderful talking board. Uh, Specifically in a Pittsburgh toy and novelty shop is what that said. It was supposed to be this magical device that answered questions about the past, present, and future with marvelous accuracy. That's a quote. And promised, quote, never failing amusement and recreation for all the classes. Doesn't matter how much money you make, you can enjoy the Ouija board. A link between the known and the unknown, the material and the immaterial. Ooh. Ooh. Spooky. And guess how much it cost when it first came out? Mm. Oh, I don't know. I mean, they're not super expensive even now. Nope. Uh, like 10 cents? A <laughs> dollar fifty. There you go. <laughs> not that far off. Um, so this mysterious talking board was basically what you see in stores today, which is what you were talking about that that lady brought to... <laughs> To you guys at Spoo. Oh, no, she didn't bring uh, yeah, it to again, you. Yeah, again, you're, you're kind of, tri- well, the Hasbro board. Yes. The, I mean, now it's Hasbro, but yeah. Yes. Yeah, the, the kind of traditional. My mom, I mine that I have is one that belonged to my mom in the uh, 50s. Nice. It's, it's cool. Yeah, I, I it's love super to see cool. it. It's, it's so described, so that way this is an, uh, audio, this is an audio medium, so I'm going to describe what the board looks like for those of you that don't know. <laughs> A flat board with the letters of the alphabet arrayed in two semicircles above the numbers 0 through 9. And it's got a yes and a no in the uppermost corners and a goodbye at the bottom. And you have a planchette. It's a teardrop-shaped device with a point. It's got a little window in it so you can see. And that's used to maneuver around the board to say, to spell things out, to go to yes or no, or to go to goodbye. And, you know, advertising, capitalism, all that stuff, truth is sometimes hard to come by within all that, Right. Mm-hmm. And especially in the 19th century, uh, this Ouija board was definitely uh, interesting and mysterious. 
But there was some really interesting stuff that happened when it was birthed that made people actually take it really seriously. And one of those things was that it actually had a patent on it that proved that it was paranormal, basically. How can the patent prove it's paranormal? Oh, what a I'm good curious. question. I'm going to answer <laughs> it. So let's get into it, shall we? History. All right. Well, we before we get into the patent, let's talk about when this happened. This was, uh, you can't really talk about the Ouija board without talking about context and timing, right? So mm-hmm. familiar topic of ours. We've addressed this multiple times. Kim, what else have we covered many times that happened in the 19th century? <gasps> Could it be spiritualism, Gabby? Is it spiritualism? It's spiritualism. <laughs> Huzzah! Fox Sisters. Yes, the Fox Sisters. If you guys remember that episode a while back. For those of you that don't know, I'll give you a brief synopsis. Um, Spiritualism was the belief that the dead are basically able to communicate with the living. And it actually was around in Europe for a while before it came over to America. And it became the big to-do trend in America in the late uh, 19th century. It was the cool thing. And uh, it was an acceptable, even, you know, wholesome activity to contact spirits. I love that it used to be wholesome, wholesome and not something your goth team did. It actually was something that people who were like religious would do for funsies on a Saturday night and then still go to church on Sunday and it was acceptable, which I think is kind of funny because like you would think that those things would conflict. But, you know, there were seances, there was automatic writing, you know, people had mm-hmm. table turning parties. If you don't know what those were, uh, it's not you just standing around turning a table in a circle. Um, but participants would uh, place their hands, visual. right? That would be a fun time. They'd place their hands on a small table and then wait for it to shake and rattle. And everybody claimed that they didn't do it. I'm like, I'm rolling my eyes right now. I don't know if you can see through the mic, but you know. I think we can hear it in your voice. Perfect. So glad. So, you know, whether the Ouija board was created to be used to talk to the dead during this time or just to make a pretty penny and capitalize on the spiritualism boom, we may never know. Or will we? So let's talk about the invention of Ouija. I'm not talking about talking boards. I'm talking about the Ouija board. Specifically Ouija, because that is Ouija. a distinction. Yes. Yeah, that is a distinction. Yeah, because talking boards have been around for, for a really long time. Um, mm-hmm. And... This is when someone basically took that idea and ran with it. So I'm curious, Kim. There's uh-huh. a mix of information, a plethora sure. of different things uh, uh, out there in the world about who uh-huh. exactly invented the Ouija board. Do you remember who it was who invented it? Uh, again, uh, we're, Ouija. S- we're talking specifically, specifically of the Ouija board. Ouija. I, well, yeah, uh, was the Parker Brothers is who ended up with it. So they purchased uh, it from someone. They they purchased it in um it was Charles God, Charles Kennard? Kennard Charles was Kennard novelty company. Yep. It was eight uh if I'm remembering correctly oh, again I love, with quiz- me. I love quizzing the human <laughs> encyclopedia. It's a really fun time. Um commercially Charles Kennard Novelty Company uh they sold it in eight well, let's get the deets down, shall we? I love that yeah. you know that. Okay, so yeah. so here's the deal. You're not wrong, um, but yeah. also you're not fully right. It's weird because there's lots of different information about who actually did it. So there's sure. there's it's kind of a mixed bag. So 
Mm-hmm. I found lots of kind of different information. So I'm going to go through all of it and okay. Okay. we can figure it out together, clarify together. So Elijah J. Bond was from Baltimore. He's the one who's often credited and okay. he partnered with Charles Kennard. Good job, Kim. And Yay. William H.A. Maupin in acquiring a, it's actually, I can give you the exact patent number, U.S. patent number 446054 at the United States Patent and Trademark Office in 1891. Good job. I was in the, I was in the, you're so close (laughs) for the game with a medium. They brought a medium to this patent office. So according to Bond's descendants, again, alleged I'm just going to thr- like slap that allegedly on here because there's mm-hmm. a lot of like the game of telephone through family members coming through. Sure. Um, yeah. According to Bond's descendants, Bond brought his sister-in-law, Helen Peters, with him to the patent office in Washington, D.C. to provide mm-hmm. evidence, evidence, evidence that the Ouija board actually worked because she was a medium. And uh, I, I can hear everyone's eyes rolling right now. So let me elaborate. So, but fun fact, Peters allegedly is the person responsible for the name Ouija, which technically I'm mispronouncing this entire time. It's Ouija. Um, apparently, uh, does it go back and forth? I will say, well, modern pronunciation, which is, which is Hasbro, who now currently owns it, is Ouija. Okay. So I wasn't doing it, it dirty. If you're if you're looking at the original, I mean, and y'all can't see the quotes Air other quotes. than maybe hear them in my voice. Um, and I don't know. I, I'll be curious if you because there's a story about the origin of the Ouija. Whether or not you found it in your research, we will we'll discuss. We will see. If if not, I will I will share cool. it. But yes, certain legend does say it was Ouija because it's the words we and ya ya. Uh, in in French and German. Oh well, what I actually found, and this I don't know who's right in this, but again, just because I would probably trust Kim over what I'm saying, but that's fine. So, fun fact: Peters allegedly is the person who was responsible for the name Ouija, which at the time was pronounced Ouija. Um, and apparently, she allegedly again. I feel like this is like a legend and lore moment, like. <laughs> This is what we heard from the descendants. So, like, I don't know right, sure yeah. details. And, you know, the game telephone changes things over the years. So. Absolutely. Apparently, she asked the board what its name should be. And the board spelled out the letters O-U-I-J-A and told her that the strange word meant good luck. Now, in, in truth, I love that it says in truth in my research, the name Ouija mm-hmm. was written on the necklace locket that Peters was wearing at the time. Which I think is very funny that, like, uh, allegedly. What what do you think? Alleg- well, okay, so, no, it's funny you say that because the version of the story I have always heard, and, again, I want to really emphasize story, mm-hmm. something that's been passed down. I, I don't know this is fact. This is just the story I heard. Um, That you had Charles uh, Kennard and Elijah Bond... And Bond's sister-in-law, Helen Peters. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yes. And that they were they were using the board because they wanted to try out this new thing. 
And it spelled out, you know, the O-U-I. And, and that, yes, she was like, oh, goodness, and showed them her locket that it said, you know, O-U-I, like Ouija, which must have been the spirits. <laughs> However, and again, this is, this is, I can't even say this is scullying. Because we don't know. Because... Well, because yeah, and it's and it's all it's a it's a giant game of telephone. Yeah. It's stories passed down, passed down, passed down. Helen Peters, she was a big fan of a feminist author. Oh, who went by um, Ouida with a D, not a not J. a J, oh. but a D O U I D A. It was the the pseudonym of um, Maria Louise Ramey, and. I mean, again, we, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, but, but one of the theories is, is that that is probably what it actually was in her locket because she was a big fan of this, this, this author. Um, and that, that uh, she was possibly the one moving it as a result. And that doesn't necessarily Shh. fall too far from the tree of what we're going to be talking about today. I, I, exactly. So... Uh, yeah. Awesome. That that's I love that. That's a fun little tidbit. But okay, so that's how I've always heard it. That's how I've always heard and, it. But again, I, it, mm. and here it, it says that this actual like Ouija board moment happened mm -hmm. during a demonstration at the patent office. So I don't know if that happened from what Ouija, you were saying. But yeah, that's a part of the story I'd never heard before. So, so it's this part. It gets even better. So. <laughs> So as they're doing this demonstration at the patent place, right. they have the chief patent officer with them. And his name allegedly, there's been some like hearsay of I don't know if this was the right patent guy or not. Honestly, I don't I don't know how legitimate this is or not. So I'm just gonna sure. share it. Apparently his name was Charles Elliot Mitchell. And he was actually supposed to be the one testing the efficacy of the Ouija board by asking the board to accurately spell out his name in this session. Allegedly, mm -hmm. Bond and Peters didn't know his name, which I think is weird. Like, wouldn't you think they would know his, like, they wouldn't just have some random dude walk in and, like, I would that would be that. weird. <laughs> anyway, apparently that they didn't know his name. Allegedly. So the three sit around the table. The board spells out the patent officer's name. And as the mm -hmm. story goes, it, it, <laughs> Charles Elliot Mitchell turns white and is visibly shaken. And he uh, immediately implements a pat an issuance on the patent on February 10th, 1891, saying this is legit um, because it's a spirit wow. that spelled my name and nobody knew my name. And so I think it's legit. But also this is during the, the sure. peak of spiritualism when actually people right. did think a lot of this stuff was very much legit, whether or not we think it is today. So sure. However, 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 Bond however. was a patent mm -hmm. attorney and he may have known the name of this office official because he worked as a patent attorney in this area. And I'm sure he would have known who he's working with. So, like, that seems strange. And then the annual report of the Commissioner of Patents for the year 1890 states uh -huh. that there were actually 30 patent examiners working at the patent office at this time. So, again, we don't know if this was him or not or if it was a different dude. But right. it, you would think that 
if he was working there, he would have known the people. It seems weird that they might not have known. And if they did know the name, then they could have controlled spelling it out. Therefore, is it legit or is it not? And I think, like, we'll leave it up to you listeners what you think. But regardless of what we think, the patent was filed. It happened. So now in their minds, they now have proof that this Ouija board is legit, which was great for capitalism at that time. So to your point, this wasn't the first talking board. It was just the first with this specific name of Ouija, right? So so-called sure. talking boards were being manufactured at least as early as 1868, possibly as early as 1848, even further back well, before then, too. To be fair, like the idea of a, of a board for a spirit to make contact is one that's existed in numerous cultures for a very long time. Yeah, it absolutely has. Bond's 1891 patent is not the first teaching of a talking board with a planchette. It's just the particular type that had this specific planchette that gained popularity that we now know of as the Ouija board today. So the claim one of U.S. patent number 446054 reads as follows. The game apparatus herein described, consisting of a board having the alphabet and numerals and certain signs and figures arranged as shown in combination with a table provided with legs and a pointer and operated by the hand in the manner and for the purpose set forth. And specifically the planchette design that overcame the prior art was the disc shape with a pointer-like protrusion, and this one was raised above on little legs. So this mm-hmm. was the bit of a difference that you had seen from any past talking boards. Um, now, Bond's original patent also states, quote, my invention relates to improvements in toys or games, which I designate as a Ouija or Egyptian luck board, end quote. But the name didn't stick until 1901. When William Fold took over the production of the board from Bond. And technically, mm. Ouija is Fold's trademark for the talking board. And his was the name on the back of the boards. So a lot of people actually thought he was the person who created the Ouija board. And he also made lots of iterations of it and variants of the Ouija board that he had his own patents for that were relating to things like the usage of magnets and wires, um, the more familiar transparent window that we now see on the planchette and the rounded triangular design of the planchette too. So Fold did that. He kind of like vamped it up and then also patented it on top of that. So he gave it a bit of a facelift, if you will, and then slapped a patent right. on it. And when asked directly by a reporter... <laughs> love this, if he believed in the Ouija's mystical powers, Fold replied, quote, I should say not. I'm no spiritualist. I'm a Presbyterian. I feel like right there, that's really telling. That's very telling, but I also just love how, like, just curt it is. This is so so direct and just like, yeah, no. <laughs> like, he seems like almost annoyed that he's being asked. But but I, well, but that also emphasizes, I mean, like, yes, even prior to them being mass produced, they were they were being used for things. But but they primarily exist as a form of entertainment. Yes. Yeah. But some people took it more seriously than others. Right. Of course. But I, I, I want the only reason I want to emphasize mm-hmm. that is that um, they the original design of them when they were mass produced was entertainment. Yeah. And people taking it more seriously than that was 
separate to the existing for entertainment. No, I, I, I feel like it's important to note because the original intent, and I think intention is important, mm-hmm. was that it was an entertainment device, right? Mm-hmm. And people took it upon themselves to put more on it. They did, but then also they got the patent when it was first created, too. So, like, you have... Sure. It's it's almost like you have a mixed bag of people that are involved with Mm -hmm. making this game a thing. Um, Because if, you know, if the first dude took it to get the patent and brought a medium with him to make it seem, like, super spooky and real... Clearly, he was trying to make a point that it was like something that could actually talk to spirits to someone who mm-hmm. might believe him and then tell other people that and then they would take it seriously. Well, then they right. hand it over to this guy, Fold, and he's like, yeah, no, I don't believe in this, but I want to make money. So I'm going to like keep updating uh-huh. it and doing things to it and mass produce it. So like, sure, it just depends on who you talk to at what period of time that they were controlling that board. And speaking mm-hmm. of which, we got another inventor to throw in the pot. <gasps> what? Even though Fold took over the company from Bond, Fold actually credited E.C. Reich as the originator of the Ouija board. Reich, Reich, tomato, tomato. Um, tomato, tomato. <laughs> and Reich was a, f- this is a familiar story. Tell me who this reminds you of. Reich was a furniture maker turned mm-hmm. coffin maker turned undertaker <gasps> who does that sound like butterworth is it you it sounded just like butterworth so for butterworth my friends for talk to our me old, our og listeners to a ghost stories our previous God. podcast I don't, I don't know if there were any i think that's a lie but we did an episode <laughs> on butterworth undertakers um and it's a it's a undertaker in seattle and anyway it's a fun story but he also was a furniture maker turned coffin maker turned undertaker he was that's kind of creepy actually with how on point that is well apparently it wasn't an atypical career progression for that day (laughs) um because there was a high demand for as you know morbid as that is for Undertakers, uh, because <laughs> there was a war going on. People were dying sure. pretty quickly of disease. There was a lot happening, and there was a high demand for getting people in the ground. Um, sure. So now, Reich, Reich, <laughs> Reich had a workshop near the offices of Charles W. Kennard, your friend, um, and. Kennard was an assignee on the original Bond patent and one of Bond's business partners. Uh-huh. So Reich has uh, put together a crude version of the board in 1886. He used uh-huh. a cake board, a table, and a pointer with an alphabet and numericals marked in pencil. It was really okay. bootleg. Um, and Kennard sees this, and he sees it as an opportunity. So he asks uh-huh. Reich to make several copies um, of the prototype, Mm-hmm. But Reich didn't have the capacity to mass produce it. it uh, he was just one dude, right? So Kennard refers him to Bond, who then makes more improvements on the board and uh, added the felt cushions on the indicator legs, too, and then changed mm-hmm. the shape of the alphabet into a semicircle. And that's when that happened. So he kind of just oh. like you know, gave him a little more of a facelift in that moment. And soon enough, sure. uh, Kenner, the Kennard Novelty Company, which is what you were talking about, right? Um, it actually, fun fact, incorporated the day before Halloween, uh, 125 oh. years ago. Um, he began manufacturing Ouija boards much as they appear today. But in a series of letters to the Baltimore Sun in 1919, Kennard actually credited Reich 
not Bond, as the true sole inventor of the original Ouija board. Really? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. I thought that was so fun when I was researching this. I was like, but there's so many people involved, but who really did it? And, you know, there's more. I'll throw hmm. another wrench in there. Let's do it. Why not? So Fold also claimed that he had been working on a similar talking board, but Bond beat him to the patent office. So I guess everybody had some similar ideas and whoever got to the patent office first won. Um, but the Patent Act of 1790, it was already in place at this point, obviously, um, and the issues of true inventorship didn't carry the same weight that it does now at the time. Sure. So by the time that Kennard started making his claims about Reich's inventorship, the original Ouija board patent had already expired. So like it didn't even matter at that point. So anyway, I just think that's really interesting. It's not spooky, hmm. but it's fun facts. Um, it's an excellent fun fact. Right? But thus, we're still confused. We still don't know where it came from. So at the end of the day, we're right back to where we started. So regardless of who got the ball rolling, it was rolling, and it was rolling fast. So by the early 1890s, some 2,000 Ouija boards were already being sold within a week, which is insane. Ooh, I was going to say, that's that's legit. Legit, legit. Like, to even mm -hmm. make that many is legit. To sell that many in a week? Oh, my gosh. So in February, let's fast forward to 1927. So th this thing okay. is going strong for a while. It's a fun house game. Some spiritualists are taking it more seriously. It depends on who you talk to. Sure. Now, in, Fold is still in ownership of the Ouija board name at this point and profiting from everything. And mm -hmm. he was on the roof of his Hartford Street factory in Baltimore in February 1927. And mm -hmm. a support post in his hand collapsed and he fell to his death and apparently was Ooh. impaled through his heart. What? Yeah. <laughs> it was just kind of brutal. So his kids, and allegedly this is a fun story again, lore, um, but apparently on his deathbed with this thing through his heart, he tells his kids never to sell the Ouija board ever, um, sure. never to sell it off. So his kids take over the business and they begin manufacturing numerous variants of the original board. And in 1966, sure. they waited a while, at least after he died, the children mm -hmm. retired and ended up selling the business. And they included the patents and the trademarks to Parker Brothers, who then promptly moved Ouija to its base of operations in Salem, Massachusetts. Did you know that? Oh. I think that's so fun. I, that I, I did not know that. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> Isn't that fun? And in 1967, the first year it was headquartered in the town infamous for the witch trials, Ouija sold mm -hmm. two million boards. Two million. What? It's a lot. And now, holy crap! You mentioned Hasbro. Hasbro is who owns it mm -hmm. now. Uh, they currently, yeah, yes. they purchased it in 1991. And they continue now to hold all their patents and trademarks of the Ouija board. And that's a lot Including of... Including the movies. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, so that's a lot of history. And I appreciate everybody hanging in there with all that history. But it's I, I feel like this is some fun facts that I know I didn't know until researching this. And cool to know. So... Yeah. It also... But it still doesn't fully give us insight on... Is it a game? Is it not a game? I think Kim knows that. She thinks it's a game. I'm gonna I'm gonna mold her right now, and I'm gonna say, well, 
Yes. I feel like I feel like that's not fully true. Okay. But I'm gonna let you mold her first. Well, I think here's the thing: is that that what what is appealing? I'm just before I even go there, mm-hmm. Kim. Let's get yes. to the juice. Why do okay. you think there is such an appeal to the Ouija board? Oh, I mean. Uh, I think that uh, I, I, it's the same thing that that appealed to me when I was a teenager. The thought that you might connect to the other side—that's yeah. like like let, let's put aside the serious part, which is if I'm a a grieving parent or if I'm a grieving uh, spouse or partner or anyone who's grieving, wanting to contact somebody who prematurely met their end. I have very very firm memories of being a teenager in the let's say late 90s uh and like myself and my fellow theater friends on halloween trying to contact somebody's ouija board and it was thrilling the idea you might contact a ghost you might contact the dead um demon or a demon. Oh, man. Oh, we probably don't even have time to get into it. But, like, there was a whole thing with contacting apparently a serial killer when I was a teenager oh. who was, like, telling us where other bodies were buried. What? Yeah. <gasps> That's wild. I feel like that was it you was, projecting it, though, because you know a lot it about was, serial oh, killers. It wasn't because at one point in time, <laughs> at one point in time, I didn't have my hands on and it was still moving. But uh, I, I have a fairly – actually, I'm pretty sure – I think she listens to the podcast, so she'll get a kick out of this. Pretty sure it's my friend Michaela, and I think she admitted to it later from remembering, right? Nice. But no, I mean, it's thrilling. It's it's something that, and, and I think on the side of things, looking back at the spiritualism aspect, if I'm someone who's grieving the loss of World War One, mm-hmm. if I'm grieving the loss of, of, of somebody, mm-hmm. or, or again, my God, um, the flu pandemic. Yeah, that was happening at that time. There's there's so much tragedy that was happening at yeah. this time period. If I was grieving the loss of somebody and I thought I could connect with them and and give them a message, hear that they're okay, maybe find some peace in that. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, For, par, pardon my pardon my <laughs> my drop of the f bomb. I don't like. I might drop that in my day to day. Gabby, you know how much I am conscientious <laughs> on the podcast she, she of is. my my swearing. I am. No, I really am. <laughs> It's a real thing. It is. And I think, too, like, it's almost a form of self-care for mental health purposes, too. Like, whether it's legitimate or not, like, that could just help someone get through something. So, like, regardless of the legitimacy. But I think what you're saying too, is that's almost like the unknown of whether or not is it real or is it not? Like, that. that's also pretty appealing. I don't know about you, but for me it is. But I don't know. There's a lot that goes into it. I will also say... And, and I mean, again, Gabby knows me. Y'all know me. I am Scully through and through. That being said, um, I think about the movie The Awakening, mm-hmm. which I, I think I'd recommend it to you at it's one point uh, to watch. It's, it's a fantastic movie. And it deals with a woman who is an uh, early paranormal investigator who, who's a skeptic. She's mm-hmm. a hardcore Scully. And she debunks. She goes and debunks spiritualists. She was, but uh, in one of the opening scenes, there is a family who's trying to contact somebody who they lost. And, like, I'm sorry, real or fake, if you can find peace by talking to your loved ones via a spiritualist or via a Ouija board, I don't care if it's real or fake. Sure. If you find peace in that, Take the peace, man. Like I don't, 
I'm a cynical asshole, and even I say, uh, if it's placebo or not, if it brings you relief, then it's absolutely real. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's this guy, his name is Merch. He's the chairman of the board of the Talking Board Historical Society. And he talked a lot about the popularity of the Ouija board in general. And Mm -hmm. he said that it's popular due to our relationship with death, which is exactly what Mm -hmm. you're saying. And he said this. He said, quote, whether you sit at the board and believe you're communicating with your subconscious or parting the veil and talking to the other side, you are opening a portal. What you're Mm -hmm. opening yourself up to and communicating with as the planchette slides across the board spelling out messages has been up for debate for 126 years. And I think that says it so nicely because it's it's yeah. exactly what you're saying. And you know, I, I think no, that beautifully puts puts it to to the the, the wording of that is just just chef's yeah. kiss. I, chef's <laughs> but is it more than just a game? And how I think has popular culture molded our impressions of it? Because Lord knows it has. Um, I have some fun facts in here that I wanted to share because I found them to be very interesting and. Apparently, like I'm going, I think of when I think of Ouija board in like popular culture, I think of like movies and stuff. But this goes back before Mm -hmm. that. The Ouija board was actually used as a automatic writing tool by acclaimed novelists and poets, such as Sylvia Plath. No way. She I did not know this. She wrote dialogue over a Ouija board. No shit. Now you got to look it up and read it. I do. I'm fascinated by this. This is awesome. And Pulitzer Prize winner James Merrill. Merrill used notes from Ouija, quote, consultations in his 560-page epic poem, The Changing Light at Sandover, which contained messages from W.B. Yeats, friend Maya Darren, and the Archangel Michael, allegedly. Huh. So it was in... It was used for writing stuff, too, like for people who publish their things. And then, obviously, there's film, right? And Hollywood began utilizing it for darker purposes. Maybe not just like, I want to publish something that someone said to me when they talked to me from the other side. This definitely took a turn down a darker path because our topic from last week, The Exorcist, Mm -hmm. utilized a Ouija board, right? It did. that's when uh, Linda Blair's character, Reagan, explains to her mom how she used the family's Ouija board to ask questions of Captain Howdy, the demon who eventually took possession of her soul. And at that point in time, the board's uh, occult status was definitely known uh, for anyone who watched The Exorcist, talked about The Exorcist, what have you. If you didn't know about Ouija, Ouija boards up until that point, you definitely did after The Exorcist. Sure. And since then, it's actually shown up in more than 20 films, lots of films. It's shown up. It even has mm-hmm. its own Ouija film. Ouija film, Ouija one, I guess just Ouija, I guess what's it called? There's, there's two. There's, there's, and there's Ouija, Ouija and then Ouija Origin of Evil. Origin of Evil. Like that's telling without having to watch it. You know, it just, it literally tells you what it's going to be about. Plus, there's the internet. <laughs> and then there's also ghost shows. Like there's so much. Well, there's an app. There's a Ouija app. There is? I don't I didn't know about that. Oh, girl, it's on my phone. Oh my God. Because it's similar to the ghost apps. Like again, I recognize entertainment and it is highly entertaining. 
And I think that's, it's funny because like, even when we would go into Spooked like a while back mm-hmm. and we do something with, the, with the Ouija boards, I never wanted mm-hmm. to touch it because I think it was like literally ingrained in my soul as a 12 year old. Never to touch it, even though I have science to back it. I still feel like, and and this is a whole other thing is that, you know, that this is a great transition into my next section that we're going to talk about. But I I think, you know, when we're doing ghost hunts, for example, you're communicating regardless of your means of communication, right? Like it it could be through uh, an EMF detector getting some kind of like hit. It could be through an audio recording. It could be through an SLS. It could be through all these different types of technology that we have, but the OG version is the Ouija board. And so allegedly, right? So even then, if you're open to communicating through other devices, why not the Ouija board? Like, I think I've been told that before too, but I don't know. I think I just got like scarred as a child and now I'm (laughs) still hesitant to use it. So the ultimate question, does it really work? Are we talking to spirits, good or bad, or what are we talking to? And we have some scientific studies here I love science. to talk about. I science is my science. favorite. So the latest research around it um, from the University of British Columbia actually shows that it does work, just <gasps> not in the way that you might assume. Oh. Okay. Scully commence. Scully. I love so, it when you are scullying too. I'm just, I want like, to like just give sit it back. A, a balance. You got to have a balance, right? Oh, that's what I'm missing. <laughs> <laughs> so a few years ago, Sydney Fells, professor oh. of electrical and computer engineering at uh, the University of British Columbia, brought out a Ouija board at a Halloween party that, that a bunch bastard. of graduate students were hanging out at. And a lot mm-hmm. of them were foreign born and were unfamiliar with the Ouija board. So he's like, oh, you got to play it. Aww. So I don't know why I find that adorable. I, just I think it's sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's endearing. It's cute. After seeing their genuine reactions to the movement of the board, he knew some kind of science was behind it, and he had to do a study. (gasps) So, Fells shares a story with a colleague. His name's Ron Rensink. He was a psychology and computer science professor. Mm -hmm. And that got the ball rolling about whether the board could actually serve as a tool to look at unconscious knowledge. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fells says... We didn't know if we'd find anything, but when we did, the results really surprised us. Hmm. So scientists are going to science, right? It's their job. Fells then takes a group of study participants, asks them to answer or guess at a set of challenging questions, first on their own and then afterwards with the support of a Ouija board. And Hmm. the participants were told that the Ouija board had the ability to, quote, receive correct answers from another person teleconferencing via a robot Ouija partner somehow. Uh, But really, it was just a regular old Ouija board. They just didn't know it was a regular old Ouija board. So when they answered the questions on their own, they were correct about 50% of the time. But when responding while using the board, they scored correctly upwards of 65% of the time. And Hmm. since... Uh, obviously the robot Ouija partner was a ruse. It was not actually responding to video conferencing players or anything like that. It was subtly amplifying the study's participants' tiny unconscious movements. Quote, it was significant how much better they did on these questions. If you don't think so, consider the difference playing roulette when the odds are 50-50 versus 65-35. 
Sure. End quote. So results in a follow-up study actually replicated the findings. So they did it more than once. And they ended up reporting it in the academic journal Consciousness and Cognition. And what's interesting is that the mechanism at work was actually something known as the ideomotor effect, which refers to the influence of the unconscious mind on the involuntary muscle movements. And it's basically a way for your body to talk to itself. So let's talk about that. We basically move when we're not trying to move. And if you've ever experienced the sudden feeling, I don't know if you've ever been asleep and you like jerk. Like you're dreaming sure, and you yeah, like yeah. fall or something. That's known as the hypnic jerk. Um, you, if you've done that, if you've experienced that, you have experienced um, a more abrupt version of the ideomotor effect. Your brain is essentially signaling your body to move without your conscious awareness. And the obvious difference is that, you know, ideomotor effects also happen when you're awake. It's just that they're much more subtle because they're smaller because you're awake. So when you're asleep, they're more drastic and dramatic because you're asleep. So the ideomotor effect was actually first identified in 1852, which was preceding Sigmund Freud's theory of the unconscious mind by decades. Mm -hmm. And it was discovered by Dr. William Benjamin Carpenter while investigating the unconscious mind's ability to direct motor activity. Shortly after that, other researchers began linking that discovery to spiritual phenomena. Full circle moment. Uh Kind of cool, right? Super cool. So the implication is that one's unconscious is much smarter than anyone knew. It's capable of pulling up bits of stored information that's not accessible to the conscious mind. So in the case of a Ouija board, your brain may, you know, unconsciously create memories or unconsciously project an answer that you want to see through mm-hmm. the answers that you're creating. And your body responds to your brain without consciously telling it to do so, which then causes the muscles in your hands and arms to move the pointer to answers that you unconsciously want to receive. You didn't know it. Hmm. So there was actually a, another scientific study done using the Ouija board and with vision specifically, Mm -hmm. demonstrating that the Ouija board only works when the participant is able to manipulate the pointer themselves and see what they're spelling out. So if they're blindfolded, the game doesn't work. Literally everything devolves into gibberish. I've seen some of those studies before. Like it's, it's actually fascinating because people are very adamant that they're not the ones moving it because as far as they're concerned, they're not. Right, because it's unconscious. It's unconscious. And so, fun fact, if you have a Ouija board at home, you want to try this at home, uh, blindfold yourself. Yeah. Have someone with you. See what happens. You know, if you dare, if you want to do it, by all means. This is what I call, like, politely scullying, because... I, again, I, I, I don't want to deny anyone's own individual experiences. However, if you're looking at that from an evidence... Evidence. Evidence-based point... Uh, it, uh, this is an excellent thing to do to, to try to sway yourself one way or another. Yeah. Try it. See mm-hmm. what happens. Try it and see what happens and report back to us. Yeah. Let us know how it goes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, over the years, research has <clears throat> really told us that the ideomotor effect is closely tied to subconscious awareness mm-hmm. and that its effect is maximized when the subject thinks they have no control over their movements. So paradoxically, the less control you think you have, the more control your subconscious mind actually is exerting. Hmm. 
kind of a, a, a mind fuck, if you will. I'm going to say it. There it is. We, we, this, is, this is two F-bombs in one episode. Gabby, what's we the really, world coming to? We're doing to? a number. We're doing a number, man. So a- another thing that also makes it easier to make this happen is the planchette itself. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it focuses and directs the movement because it has a point to it, sure. right? Mm-hmm. So when you're one person moving it, it's not as effective. But when you have multiple people on it, it frees everyone's minds to subconsciously generate the creepy Ouija board answers together. So it makes it seem more legit, which Mm -hmm. is why people freak out. Hence me and, you know, my 12-year-old sleepover party. Of course. So in using the Ouija board, you actually may be communicating with something you can't typically access, your own subconscious. Uh-huh. And that the experience can feel like communicating with maybe something paranormal and unknown, but just because you can't really put your finger on what you're talking to. So I think that that at the end of the day is what really, you know, causes this belief, right? The real physical effect causes some people uh-huh. to believe that something paranormal is behind it. And it's a common thing when you get into people that are, are very religious or, you know, um, superstitious or people who are just believing in like (laughs) demon possession hoaxes or things of that nature. Um, that if you're already believing in something like that, something like a Ouija board can just light a fire underneath it. Sure. And you know, since, since some witnesses have come to believe that a possessed person is moving without their own control, it can also mean that automatic writing is a thing. Mm -hmm. And instead of it being a spirit that's automatically writing, it could be your subconscious writing, that uncontrolled handwriting that we talk through, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's also the idea motor effect. It's used to often to defraud people who visit exorcists, psychics, mediums, other self-proclaimed spirit channeling types, and uh, is sometimes can lead to a financial, physical, or psychological harm. So it's not Oof. the safest thing to work with at all times. But... You know, what's interesting is, ironically, the same factor lies at the heart of the entire intention of the idea motor phenomena. It's exactly what you talked about in the beginning, is that we want to believe. We want something to be there. We don't want it to be our subconscious, right? Uh -uh. We want it to be a ghost. We want to prove that there is something there, whether it's real or not, whether you're mourning a lost loved one, what have you. But... Because it facilitates that communication, anyone who encounters this ideomotor effect is experiencing something very real. It's a, they, they feel like it's a real visitation from somewhere else, but truly it's, it's something that is from within. So the marvelous thing, the most fantastic thing about a Ouija board isn't what the planchette reads to you or spells out it's just the fact that it helps you connect further to yourself and like tap into what you actually are thinking well and and i think it's something that get that gets kind of lost in in being a skeptic like i i am am fully on board for the use of of medium psychics ouija boards whatever is going to help you deal with trauma I and I'm thinking about when I was going through my divorce and sure. and I, I I I a medium that worked at spooked I had a session with him because he gives sessions to the the tour guides and like 
whether or not the things he was saying were from the other side or or not, it doesn't matter. What he said brought me comfort and what he said and found brought me peace. Yeah. And I think with, with Ouija boards, with spiritualism, with anything, if it's bringing you peace, it does it really matter? Sure. Uh, and, and that's one of those rare times you'll find me say, you know, uh, yeah, if you want me to scully something, I can scully it, but I don't want to scully this. No, and I don't want to either. And I yeah. think that's what's so interesting about this topic is that regardless of what we research, mm-hmm. regardless of what we read, science, regardless of science, I'm going to say it, like we're going to have an initial instinct, right, on what you believe. And if I have an initial instinct, the Ouija board freaks me out because I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to ac- accidentally invite something in that I don't want to invite in mm-hmm. because I remember hearing a, a horror story of someone taking a Ouija board into a haunted, abandoned prison and getting stuck with something attached to them because they didn't say goodbye on the Ouija mm-hmm. board. Mm-hmm. That makes me think it's from the Ouija board. However, we know that, like, I, I know, I'm going to say it, I believe in spirits. We've done investigations. I could still see something getting attached to a person, even if you didn't use a, a Ouija board. Like, sure. you don't have to have a Ouija board there for that, but did it help? Maybe. Who knows? But that's ca- the kind of stuff that, like, we can't scully. That's something yeah. we, we, we just can't. And so... I think this is a great topic for this because at the end of the day, you're going to believe what you want to believe. And we encourage and you, you to believe. you should believe what you want to believe. Yes, like, 100%. I, 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 I like, uh, again, for me, I part of why I scully so hard is that I want to live in a world that has ghosts. I want to live in a world with Bigfoot. I want to live in a world that has these fantastical things. And sometimes I come at things really, really hard. Because I almost get angry when people are trying to manipulate facts. Yeah. I don't want this to be... uh, God, going back to The Exorcist, part of what bothered me is it was such an obvious PR stunt for the movie. Sure. That's not the world I want to live in. I want to live in a world where Ouija boards may or may not exist, or may or may not they exist, may or may not be real. (laughs) What they're doing may or may not be real, but like, my God, if you're the emo kid who's playing with the Ouija board and experiencing something good on you. Oh, you're describing my childhood. No, if you're, if you're, if you're using it to find peace, good on you. That's a, that's a fun world. That's the world I want to live in. That being said, I'm not going to stop scullying, but it doesn't mean that, that I don't delight in, and if something brings you peace, it doesn't matter if it's real or not, if, if it helps you use it. Yeah. Amen. Oh my gosh. Did we just agree on a topic? We just agreed on a topic <laughs> in our weird roundabout way. I think we came back around to agree full on a circle, topic. Full circle. Full circle. High five. Circle. Boom. High f- air five. Love it. Through zoom. Um, Love it. So yeah, that's the Ouija board for now. Um, Nicely again, didn't done, do friend. like a Nicely done. As you know, as much as we could fit into an episode, we did. And if you feel like you want to do more research, by all means, we'll post our uh, show notes so you can see where we got that research from. We actually got some from the Smithsonian, which is kind of cool. Oh, they, man, um, they are s- such a good resource. I get a lot of stuff from them, and they're yeah. fantastic. Really good. Really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so having said that, this brings us to... We're there. We're there.
Rex Corner! Creepy Red X Corner! Kim, what you watching? I mean, so much. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes, uh, I sometimes don't know how I stay on top of 100 Days of Horror and still watch things that I want to watch. I don't know how you do it either. I don't, I, 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 I wish I was joking when I said I didn't sleep. I, I really don't sleep. <laughs> um, but I, I, I took a little break from 100 Days of Horror the other day. To start Midnight Mass. Ooh, what's that? So for those of you who have not seen it advertised on Lay Netflix, because it is on Netflix, it is Mike Flanagan's new uh, show, limited series, miniseries. I don't know what we're calling it. It's, uh, I, I, as far as I know, it, it's not coming back for a, another season, but Mike Flanagan is, you know, the, the man behind the haunting of Hill house, the haunting of Bly Manor. Um, I love those hush, uh, Ouija, Ouija origin <laughs> of evil. That was, that wow. was Flanagan. Yeah. If you didn't know Full that, I, it didn't occur to me when I was making this recommendation, Dr. Sleep, which is, uh, I still haven't seen that. Oh girl, girl. I know. I, I have, need Wait, to. wait, wait. Okay. So. If you've not watched Dr. Sleep, everyone should watch Dr. Sleep. But Midnight Mass, mm-hmm. uh, which is his new limited series for Netflix. And it's uh, seven episodes. And I'm only, I'm, uh, I'm on episode four, I think. Man, I love it. And now I have I, to watch it. I, I, what I will qualify this with. I am a retired Catholic. I was raised Catholic. And so it hits, it hits for me. Uh, if, if you're somebody with any knowledge of the religion, there, there's some stuff that's really going to hit for you. Um, I'm an unapologetic fan of Mike Flanagan's. I also, I love a slow burn. This is a slow burn. I love a slow burn. If you don't like a slow burn, this may not be the show for you. But if nothing else, the acting is stunning. The acting is so, so good. So I'm loving the show. I also acknowledge this is not a show that is going to be for everybody. Sure. Um, I did also just watch as part of my 100 Days of Horror. Uh, I watched, well, I watched a couple things. I, well, again, I've been watching 100 things. I watched a movie <laughs> the other day called Scare Campaign, which hit every one of my buttons. It is something you will see every plot twist a mile away. But for me, it had a little bit of everything. You had, um, it's based on a, you know, like, it's a it's a TV show that does practical jokes kind of on people and tries to mm-hmm. scare them. Mm-hmm. So you've got a little found footage element. You've Ooh. got some asshole actors. You've got, like, an asylum where they're trying to pull this prank on somebody. You've got things going wrong. I don't know. It hit all my buttons. Is it reinventing horror? Absolutely not. No. Is it a really good time? I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Ooh, so that sounds if, good. Yeah, if you want just like kind of a fun, stupid horror film for Halloween, Scare Campaign. If you want something that's a little brooding, really excellent acting, and a slow, slow, slow burn, then watch Midnight Mass. 
I just added Midnight Mass to my list, so I need to watch it. Nice. Um, so I have a pretty funny um, Creepy Critics Corner this week because right. since I've been at my parents' house, the only thing they've been watching is Curb Your Enthusiasm. So oh <laughs> I've just had to Are watch a bunch of really Curb old Curb Your Enthusiasm this week. I love it. Oh and... Um, yeah, so I, I get more of a kick out of my parents hysterically laughing at it than the show itself. Sure. Um, however, I have also continued to watch What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, I was on a bit of a break right now because I, Terrence, my fiance, is in Seattle and I'm in L.A. and we have to watch it together, so we are not watching it. But I did introduce my stepdad to Colin Robinson, the, oh. uh, <laughs> the energy vampire mm-hmm. um, in... What We Do in the Shadows, and if you haven't seen What We Do in the Shadows and you just would like a sneak peek into what an energy vampire is, just Google it and look on YouTube because there's some really funny compilations of just Colin Robinson driving people crazy, and it's very funny. So I watched that too, and then my final thing that I started to watch that you will be very proud of is Ted Lasso. (gasps) Yay! So that's, we also, started. that's a show you could start with your parents. Like, it's a parent-friendly show. It is, but I'm watching it with Terrence, so I can't you know just what? watch it with my parents. It's a Terrence-friendly show, too. Terrence and parents. <gasps> Everyone. It, it rhymes. Look at that. Um, Ted Lasso is great. Oh, my, oh my it? gosh. It's, it's so, so good. delightful. To see Jason Sudeikis in this role as, like, more of a nice guy as opposed to the asshole that he always plays... Is he so refreshing? Oh my god, yes. Seriously? Yeah, I feel like I see him as nice characters, but no, he plays he plays an asshole and a lot of like like comedic asshole, like not not like anything horrible, just like kind of a jerk, like nothing wild. But yeah, he usually does, and so to see him as this like cheery nice guy is is very funny. Um, But it's just it's just really good. I honestly like I know we talked about it already, so I don't, yeah. I'm not gonna like. I'm glad get you started it. watching it though. It's it's such it it it's been bringing me so much joy. It it is a very like heartwarming show, and it's so easy to watch. Like yeah. we can't stop it. Like we started watching, and I think we watched four episodes in one sitting, and we it's were like, all right, it's do. time to sleep now. Like we gotta go to bed. Like that's it's been like that. So my when my sister in law my sister in law is the one who kind of like forced the issue when we were on vacation and my brother was like yeah it's a good show uh because that's that's my brother he's not gonna be like you know he's like yeah it's good you'll like it um but we watched a couple episodes back to back and then i think it was late enough where i was like we need to go to bed you have a five-year-old who's gonna get you up at the ass crack of dawn but then like full disclosure i was all ready to get Apple Plus to pay extra money so I could have Ted Lasso at my disposal. And then what I learned is that I could actually save money by adding Ted Lasso or by adding Apple. Uh, Ted Lasso. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. By adding Ted Lasso exclusively. <laughs> but because I I do like extra storage and I do I I do the music for my my children's theater shit. Um, I, I could do like a thing and add the television and actually save like a dollar. 
Nice. By doing a package. So I was like, all right, we're doing this. We're doing well, this. I did an idiot move and I paid for it. And then I bought an iPhone. And now that with the iPhone comes three months of free <gasps> Apple TV. I was going to say TV. a lot of them do free Apple TV. Yeah. When you do well, that. I didn't do it in the right order and I had an idiot move. So it, I'm it doing the opposite of what you're doing. I mean, <laughs> but that being said, money. this is one of the ones that's only, it, it's it's on the lesser end. It's what, like five it's bucks a fine. month or something. If it's you're, yeah. It's not going to kill me. It's a Patreon is going to help. With that. Good segue. Basically. Good yes. segue. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, <laughs> if you would like to support us, we have a Patreon. Would you we like do. to be a patron and listen to our all ridiculous bloopers? Because yeah. they are a good time. Um, that's mostly more what's than, on there right now, too. That's mostly bloopers. There's a couple yeah. other fun things on there. Um, but feel free to check us out on Patreon. It is Ghoulish Tendencies Podcast. You can even find our website, ghoulishtendencies.com. All of our show notes, all of our social medias, all of our references, what have you are all there as well so we have our instagram facebook twitter what have you all right there for you and if you also would like to you know contribute without financially contributing head on over to apple podcasts do a little you know like and review and we would greatly appreciate it and if you would like because you don't have enough kim in your life and everybody knows you need need more more kim Kim in your life yes everybody does uh i have a tea and true crime coming up for october it is going to be on sunday october 17th at 4 p.m you can find more information at uh, spookedinseattle.com or look for our facebook page but i'm doing a tea and true crime on john wayne gacy himself by popular request because uh, he has been one that has been, man, I, I take polls every so often is what people want me to cover for T and True Crime. And John Wayne Gacy's been on the list for a long time. So I'm finally doing it for better or worse. Like, I got to say, researching this, it's hella depressing. So oh, yeah. y'all are sick fucks. <laughs> want I've, me definitely, to do this? I've definitely seen his artwork in person. So... That's it's, that's the time. It's rough, man. Like yeah. I, I have to between this and my my research for our our double episode that's coming up after this. Like oh, Kim needs to watch some funny happy. I, things. It's why I need Ted Lasso in my life and like oh, to hug lots of, of cats. I there's a lot of dark, deep, depressing things I've been been doing. So, uh, but yes, if you would like to witness me live doing a, a whole online PowerPoint on Zoom, you can purchase a ticket. It's very cheap. And uh, I will see you then if you would like to join us. Yes, go check it out. And having said that, thank you for listening and stay, stay.